0: Welcome to the New Grad Physio podcast, hosted by Andy Barker, consultant sports physiotherapist, private practice owner, and the founder of the New Grad Physio. Having experienced his own rapid rise from student to dream job as the head of physiotherapy and rehab at the Leeds Rhinos, just 15 months after graduating, Andy knows exactly what it takes to accelerate your skills and fly up the promotion ladder faster than you ever thought possible. Having previously been with the Leeds Rhinos for 10 seasons, Andy now consults with a number of individual elite athletes within professional rugby, international football and professional dance, alongside running his own successful private practice. Andy built the New Grad Physio to help New Grad Physios, sports therapists and sport rehabilitators just like you accelerate their own learning and learn the skill sets you need to become a competent, confident and competitive New Grad Physio. As a new grad, there are specific challenges you will face during those first few years and this podcast will deliver you actionable advice you can use to overcome these challenges and start your own successful new grad journey. Enjoy the show!
1: Hi, it's Andy Bach here and welcome back to the New Grad Physio podcast. In today's episode, I want to help you better understand what makes a great knee assessment and really help you... To identify what special tests you should be using, the the order of special testing, and really why some of the best evidence tests might not necessarily be the best test for you to use personally. And I'm gonna draw on some of my actual own experiences as a, a physio, particularly working in sport, about why that's sort of the case and why you might have to choose other special test that helps just suit your sort of testing um, style. In relation to the knee you know the knee itself is a relatively simple joint we know it's a a modified hinge joint we know it flexes it extends uh, internally and externally rotates we know we get those strong muscles that make up um, work around the the, the sort of knee so we have the hamstrings the quads the calves and they provide I guess the active support to to the knee. Then we have those passive structures like the ligaments that are in it around the knee, and also the the meniscus. But as simple as the the knee might appear, I guess structurally, um, some therapists, you know, often struggle. Some patients often struggle with knee pain. It can often be quite a difficult, um, you know, range of pathologies to actually sort of deal with. And I'm sure there's you know you can think of occasions where you've had patients with knee pain. That maybe didn't go quite as as you sort of hoped for. Really, maybe their initial symptoms just took a little bit longer than you thought to to settle down. You know, they had that sort of rest period. You've done your sort of low level exercise and, and rehab, but they're just not probably settled at the, the rate that you expected. Maybe some of the exercise you gave them actually made some of their symptoms worse. Or again, they just sort of went through a period where their their symptoms were pretty stagnant. Or you know, maybe they've gone back to activities like sport or even running and the symptoms actually have come back maybe sometimes you you know maybe you work in sport maybe maybe you're seeing a a patient in an NHS department or even in a private clinic and maybe sometimes you're just a bit worried a bit skeptical I guess you've not had a lot of experience testing you know a lot of knees that you might miss an important injury like a, a meniscus injury or even something like an ACL and despite being you know quite a simple joint in the knee itself can, can be quite challenging we know there's a, a lot going on there some of the structures there that I've just sort of discussed so uh, in this podcast I just want to help you better understand what makes a, a great knee assessment and probably the first thing to to start with is is the fact that you, you need to know your tests you need to you need to know as actually what you what each test you are using what's the aim to do. Uh, And guess unlike some other areas of the body, the knee is actually quite good. So the special tests that we can use in and around the the knee joint, particularly some of the ligamentous tests, are actually pretty good in terms of they have good sensitivity. They're quite specific, which in theory should make it easier for, for you as a therapist to be able to identify exactly what structure is causing your patient's knee pain. However, this is this is basically built on a massive assumption. And this is the same for all special tests, but the big assumption is that you can actually do your test well. So a test may have be really sensitive, it really really, really specific to a certain you know, injury or structure that you're sort of using it to, to test for to rule in or rule out a particular sort of injury. But the assumption here is that you can actually do the sort of test test well. So I guess any special test, whatever it is regardless of how good it might look in a textbook, how good the sort of scores it has in terms of how sensitive it is, how specific it is, you know, in a, in a journal article or systematic review or whatever it may be, you know, regardless of these scores, it's only ever as good as the, the person, you as a therapist, conducting the test. So what's really important is that we understand when we are testing that you know which test to use with the right sort of patient. And this is um, a big sort of shift. And what I want to talk about now is it's very different to, to definitely how I was taught at university and I know to this day how, how sort of students are taught. And the the big danger of working in this way is it, it sometimes mixes up your sort of clinical your clinical picture and makes it harder for you to reason and actually find out to, to find diagnosis and find out obviously what's going on with your particular patient. And that is when you're presenting with a patient with knee pain and you just almost go into this sort of robotic mode where you're assessing the knee. So you basically just test every single special test that you know of in relation to the knee. So your patient's got no history or there's no you know mechanism or anything that's come up in the subjective history. Or indeed, the, the start of your objective testing—that's indicating that they may have, you know, instability in their knee. But then you will still test it—you know, ACL laxity, PCL laxity, uh, MCL, LCL, and ligament tests like this. Where if you really think about it logically, if there's no indication whatsoever that they may have one of those injuries, then you know, it's not really a logical way to assess that particular patient's patient's knee and you know for, for many of us uh, maybe yourself you know this this is what we're taught at university this is def- definitely how how i was sort of taught and, and again there's there's a big problem there with, with this this sort of approach so to be better you know we want to be as specific as possible when we are using any type of test so we're, any objective test and that obviously includes special testing as well so what we don't want to do is pick up these sort of false positives and indeed we don't want to do too many tests that would just get in, you got, guess information that might not actually be relevant. And you end up second guessing yourself, thinking, do I feel, does that feel different to the other side? I'm not too sure. Your patient's telling you it's a little bit painful or feels different. And again, that often just muddles the sort of clinical picture and it makes it harder for you as a therapist to really make sense of what's going on with your patient's assessment. So going back to knowing your tests and knowing what tests to select, again, this there's a, there's a large component here in relation to your your subjective history. So the the only way really for you to be able to do this well and to be able to be specific to the test you're actually going to be selecting is to having completed a really good subjective history that you have a a good suspicion about what structure or structures may be injured. So then you could actually prioritise certain tests during your objective assessment. So basically all you're doing there is is just testing your suspicions so you know then ultimately it's just about testing and if if you're competent with the actual technique of the particular test and you know what you're testing it obviously links back to your patient's subjective history then you're not going to go too too far wrong so the biggest I guess, point to start the podcast is to sort of get you away from that I guess that method of just testing you know Everything out in the knee, just because they present with a knee injury. The same thing happens with ankle injuries. Same thing happens with hip, you know, shoulder injuries, where we just sort of go into this. I guess it is like more robotic, mode It's just you've we've we've learned these tests. We've learned to do in a particular order at university, and it's important that you obviously do know the tests. But just think about you know why you're actually testing a particular test if there's no indication of a particular. No injury then maybe you don't need to do that test so moving on from that one of the one of the things that's really important is to actually do your tests in the right order and this this feeds on really well from the previous point so what you'll find uh, think back to the last knee you may be assessed on the bed that might be on a on a placement that might be you know in your in your world of work whether that's in the nhs private practice or even in sport wherever you're sort of working and i bet that if you if you sort of use the method we spoke about before, where you'll generally you know work through a, a, you know the same similar sort of test for each and every injury that you see, I suspect that you'll do them the same order, just because that's what you're used to doing. So you'll do tests, uh, and it makes logical sense to a certain degree because you're going to do tests that are, I guess, the knee in a certain position. So then you want to you know test the knee in that position. So you may you might do. Um, say a anterior draw test with the, with the knee sort of in a, you know, 45 degree flexion. And then you might, because you're, you're in that sort of same position, you might go straight into doing a posterior draw test. So then hence testing the ACL followed quickly by the PCL. And that logically makes sense from a, I guess, a positioning point of view. But two main factors really should, should influence the ordering of your testing. Firstly, you should pick the, the most relevant test or test for the suspected injury that you think your patient has. So you've worked for your subjective, you may suspect that your patient has an injury to their medial collateral ligament or their MCL. So in that scenario, you would want to conduct a MCL or a, a valgus stress test. That makes you know perfect sense. That's quite simple and obviously is very, is very logical. But like I say, a lot of therapists don't do this because they you just fall into the trap of conducting all the tests that you do, and, and the MCL might fall down. The pecking order—it might be the third, fourth, fifth test that you do because it's not in the order that you've been taught. It's not the order that you're used to conducting those tests at the knee. And this is regardless of the patient that's on the bed, regardless of what the patient's told you during that sort of subjective history. And, and I, I did exactly the same as a new grad, uh, and I, I'm sure. There's some of you guys listening to this podcast now will thinking about your own practice thinking, yeah, I probably do the same. You, you may have not even realized it, but that's just, it's just, you no, know, it's not, a, um, I guess, a, a negative, um, you know, reflection on you or anything like that. It's just the way that we're taught and it's taught for a particular reason. So you get used to doing the test, you get practiced doing the test, but in the in the real world, we want to try and be as specific as possible. And, you know, I kept doing the same thing I kept doing the same sort of um, battery of tests, if you like, in the same order until someone, you know, taught me different and t- told me, you know, was a better way to do that and to try and be as specific as possible. It was important that I obviously picked the test that linked as closely to the potential hypothesis that I had in terms of injury. And I was obviously being a specific and I was prioritizing the tests that needed to be testing. So that's the that first point. Secondly, where possible if you suspect that you may need to test more than one structure or use multiple tests as part of your you know special test um, assessment you should always try to test the least provocative test first so there's a big danger if if you sort of don't do this and and that is really that you actually unnecessarily actually irritate your your patient's knee which then might almost void the remainder of your actual special testing and actually your objective assessment. So using the example that we had before, we, we've we got this patient, they've had maybe fixed fixed foot contact to the lateral knee. The, for, the knee's been forced into a, a position of valgus, maybe with a little bit of rotation. So we're suspecting maybe an MCL. We know because of the close approximation on the inside of the knee to the middle meniscus, mm-hmm. Um, and they had a, maybe a slight rotational mechanism. Their location of pains that around around that medial joint line. You know, we we maybe as part of the assessment would want also to rule out a meniscal injury, and that would be fair. You know, that would that would obviously make uh, make sense. So you choose firstly to use maybe a test, a meniscal test like a McMurray's test. So you test in the the medial meniscus, uh, and this test brings on some medial knee pain uh, there's no you know locking you know clicking or any of the signs that you maybe might associate with a, a clear cut meniscal injury so you know this meniscus. i guess the test is positive in terms of pain but you're getting none of those you know you know, clear cut meniscal you know mm-hmm. symptoms so on that and the rest of your assessment, you may be relatively happy at that point. There's no you know, clear-cut meniscal injury. So then, the, then you move on to the MCL, and you do your valgus stress test. But the, the big danger here is that the knee at this point is already painful. You've done that McMurray's mm-hmm. test. You've, you've stirred up some pain to that medial knee, and now you're going to test the MCL, and the knee's already painful. So there's, there's a couple of things that might happen here. One, firstly, you you don't really know then when you're doing that valgus test whether the pain you're getting there is from the MCL because you're testing the integrity of the MCL or is it just like almost residual pain that's left over from the, the previous Murray's test or meniscal test. Additionally, because now your patient's in pain, one of the big problems that you might find is because they're, cause their knee is sore, because their knee is painful, they might actually then try and, to actually guard that area. They might try and like, twitch on the quads tense up which makes testing a ligament where you need the need to be relaxed almost impossible so whatever your primary hypothesis is so in this example we've used if that is MCL that is why you need to test the most specific test first the most appropriate test first and that would be in this example uh, an MCL valgus test you then would then probably move on to something like McMurray's test, and again, it's all about trying to think when you're doing the testing. You don't just go into that robot mode and just do all the tests, all the tests, all the tests, because you do risk stirring up. You know, in this example, you know, it's one of many, many things that can, I guess, affect your your results that you maybe get with your with your patients. But if you stir up symptoms, then it obviously it almost avoids the, the remainder of your assessment because it's really difficult then for you and your patient to distinguish between what's new pain, what's new symptoms, and what's maybe residual and leftover from the previous sort of test. So if you think you may have to test multiple structures, you know, during your knee assessment, think about what order you're going to have to, to test because this will have potentially a big impact on your actual testing results. Then the final sort of point I wanted to talk about was to try and find out what tests work best for you. So just because one test has better scores In a textbook, it's more sensitive, it's more specific, does not necessarily mean it is the best test for you to use. So give you an example here. So in the majority of literature if you look at ACL testing a majority of papers and evidence will suggest that the Lachman's test is probably the best test in terms of being the most sensitive and specific for you know for an ACL injury to rule in or to rule out uh, an ACL injury and whilst this might be true in terms of the textbooks and journals and everything else it's not a test that i actually use that often it's not the test that I actually favour because it doesn't actually work well
0: for me. Hope you are enjoying today's episode so far. Just wanted to take a break and make sure you haven't missed out on Andy's latest free resource, Five Steps to Fast Track Your New Grad Physio Career. It will show you five simple steps you need to accelerate your learning and career as a new grad physio. It is packed full of clinical and non-clinical advice, including the missing career skill university didn't teach you that is stopping you getting better job roles more opportunities and better pay as a new grad physio it's andy's most downloaded resource and you can get it completely free just by visiting newgradphysio.com so make sure you check it out now let's get back to the podcast
1: i've worked in private practice and i've worked in sport my entire sort of career since sort of graduating so over sort of 10 Ten years now, and I just found, um, particularly, I've got a big background working in rugby. I've, I've always worked in rugby from you know day one of my sort of working life as a as a physio. And I was finding when I was assessing, uh, particularly, rugby, rugby players' knees. Not not the fact that I have particularly small hands or anything, but they're obviously quite quite well built um, fellows. And I actually found the actual positioning. To me, to stabilize their, you know, their thigh with one hand, and then get my hand behind their sort of proximal calf with one hand. I actually find it quite difficult in terms of handling, you know, the big, 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 big boys sometimes, and you know, me being able to get enough force to actually test the integrity of that ACL. Well, I find it re- like quite difficult, and I find it much easier to use uh, an anterior draw test where I would get them in crook lying. I'd sit on the foot. And I can get both hands behind their proximal sort of calf and obviously pull that, pull that tibia forward. So I favoured using a anterior draw test. I would always probably follow that potentially up with a Lachman's test. But my primary ACL test that I would, you know, if I was going to bet on myself about what, you know, to rule in or rule out uh, an ACL injury, and if you said to me, Andy, you've got one test to do, you can do it once. Uh, which test would you select I'd go 100% every time with that anterior draw test because I was more comfortable with my handling I was more comfortable with the technique and ultimately over the last 10 years plus I've used now that test much more than I have a Lackman's test so my probably quality of testing now in that test is much greater than it would be maybe using a Lachman's test so if I'm on a pitch now and I'm running the field and I've seen you know I've seen all my players telling me what's going on. And if I was, you know, querying a potential ACL injury, one of the tests, you know, the test that I would do. First up, if I was suspecting a potential ACL injury, if I was going to have to decide whether they were going to stay on the pitch or not, and that was obviously an injury that I'd want to, you know, roll out for them to be able to do that, I'd be doing an anterior you know, draw test. I would, you know, like I say, I'd probably do a Lachman's test as well, just to sort of back that up. But that would be the test that I go for. And that is against the evidence in many respects because the Lachman's test is in the textbooks, in most of the journals. Would is the is a sort of better better test? But generally, you know, I didn't find that you know that worked well for me, and you might find that yourself. You know, you might be. um small person you may be maybe a female who gen- generally a bit smaller than males in terms of maybe their hands and things like that and depending on who you're working with you might have a larger patient in your clinic in your department you might be working sport where you're working with you know athletes people that are bigger than you and you you might find something similar you also, also might just find that a particular test you just find it easier for whatever reason um, and again it's just probably finding the i guess the line we always want to be Guided by the evidence, you know, for hundred percent. But you also need to practice your test and know which different tests you find work, you know, work for you, you know. And and also, it's it's obviously important that you do know different tests because you may need to use different tests with different patients and athletes that you potentially work with. So again, you might find the Lackman's test is the test, you know, that your primary test of choice for an acl injury and that's cool but then what if you've got a really a really large patient you know and then for whatever reason you just couldn't get in a force you know using that sort of test or it wasn't quite working out then if if the anterior jaw test is again not a test you you ever do then you might struggle with the technique on that so it is important that you do practice your test but what i would say about that is that i wouldn't make it uh I guess an aim of you every time you get a patient with knee pain, just to think, Oh, I've got knee pain. I'll just do all the tests just to practice them. That's probably not the time to sort of do it. I'm talking here about practicing on one of your, on one of your friends on one of your like, you know, coworkers or, or something like that, where you can actually practice the testing positions and the, the testing technique, if you like. But when we're working with patients, we want to obviously try and be as specific as possible. And, and probably the big point here is yes, 100%, let's be guided by the evidence and let the, the evidence you know, sort of tell us in, in many respects, you know, what to do and what's the best to do for our patients. But we also, in real life, you know, we don't work out of a textbook. We work with real patients, you know, in clinics, in hospitals, you know, on, on the side of a picture, on a changing room, where we, we're actually having to do these tests and we need to obviously find out, we need to practice and see what works works well for you. So just to sort of wrap up, or summarise what we've sort of covered in the, the podcast podcast so probably the first thing was is to really just to know your test so you can't test something you know i can't test a structure uh you know i can't test a, a knee ligament injury if you don't know the right test to select and which is one which is the right test you are going to have to select to be able to rule in or rule out your a patient suspected knee injury the order of testing is really really important so when you have your primary hypothesis you need to test that structure first. After that, where possible, try to choose tests that are, you know, the less provocative, because uh, then you're basically reducing the chances of you irritating your patient unnecessarily, and then maybe picking up a false positive test result. And then finally, find a test that works for you. So we should always be guided by the evidence, but having a, I guess, different tools in your toolkit, different tests that you can use will be advantageous. You might find that you have a better technique in one test rather than another. And also be aware that you may have to use different, you know, tests for the same structure for different patients, different athletes that you work with. Um, so again, try to find out, again, be guided by the evidence, but try and find out what tests work best for you. Cause ultimately the aim of a special test is for us to be able to rule in or rule out a particular pathology in relation to say, Uh, A test like a Lackman's test or an anterior draw test, they are instability tests. We're wanting to know, the test is going to help us to tell us whether or not their ACL is intact or not. So regardless to a certain degree of what the evidence suggests, we need to be good with our testing. So again, if you're going to get a better test you know position, a better testing technique with one test over another, if that's going to help you better decide whether you're... You know, a player on a Saturday league football team can play on. You're pretty happy that he's not got an ACL injury and you're going to leave him on the pitch. Obviously, if you get that wrong and leave him on, then obviously you can can end up in a little bit of strife. So it's really important that, again, we are guided by evidence with everything that we do in terms of our practice, but we also need to understand, the, I guess, the realism of, of what goes on in with working with patients, with athletes in the sort of real world, and it's not always quite as clear-cut as the sort of textbooks and journals may may sort of tell us, really. So just to sort of finish up, um, just obviously thank you for your time listening to the the podcast. Um, as always, if you do have any questions, um, please reach out to me on either on social media or or directly via email is probably the easiest way. So that's andy at Physio. Dot com, if you really want to find if knee something you're really interested in on low limb injuries and you want to know maybe how to better assess a knee and ankle and, and know how to give the sort of right treatment techniques and rehab exercises for your patients with things like the knee so in terms of like patellotendinopathy, tendinopathy, uh, patellofemoral joint pain, or even injuries like you know ACLs, PCLs, MCLs, LCLs, uh, I've got some content that'll be really, really helpful for you and will really be able to to help you out. So if you do want to get in contact and find out what this is, if you email me again at andy at and I will get right back to you. So finally, again, just thanks for your time. Thanks for tuning into the New Grad Physio podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you have planned, and I will speak to you all again very soon.
0: Thanks for listening to Andy Barker's New Grad Physio podcast. If you've enjoyed this content, you will love his website, newgradphysio.com, which is packed full of free content to help you, a new grad physio, sports therapist or sports rehabilitator overcome the specific challenges you face day to day in your clinical practice, working in the NHS, private practice and sport. Here you can get links to all his other podcast episodes, read all his blogs, find out about his book and his upcoming courses and the new grad physio membership. You can also download Andy's latest free resource, Five Steps to Fast Track Your New Grad Physio Career. It is packed full of clinical and non-clinical advice, including the missing career skill university didn't teach you that is stopping you getting better job roles, more opportunities and better pay as a new grad physio get access to all this by visiting www.newgradphysio.com. The New Grad Physio was built to help as many new grads as possible. So if you have enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review and even better, tell someone else about it. Enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you have planned. And here's to the start of your own successful new grad journey.